Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Modernism Real Estate Podcast. This is a nonchalant, comfortable conversation between two good-looking realtors about what's happening in today's market and real estate topics. We just hope that you guys enjoy our conversations and maybe learn a thing or two. So uh, go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button, and we hope you enjoy. Oh, and, and a like, and a like And a well. like as well. And a like as well. Well, thanks for the intro, Sam. I'm glad that we're doing this. And yeah. for our first ever episode, this is episode one, the Modernism Real Estate Podcast. I thought that we could talk about just the essentials, what you need to know to buy a home. Let's talk about it as if, you know, someone that's never gone through the process before. Yeah, definitely. And right. just to state, I did state this before yeah. um, to, to our listeners here, but yeah. <clears throat> this is really just a really just a nonchalant conversation like it's conversations that we have every day with other people with other yeah. realtors other other prospective buyers or just people in general and i figured that i learned so much from these conversations that i figured why not just record it and yeah. you know have other people listen have in. it out there yeah exactly because i feel like a lot of people can learn from these conversations and they have the ability to hear in on these conversations now so yeah yeah no definitely yeah just conversing you know we're walking around the real estate office and talking to you know mm -hmm. lender that's here or other real estate agents absolutely like what, what's going on and yeah um yeah no definitely so today we'll be going over the process of buying home the process okay, okay. Awesome. and i broke it down into four milestones so basically you know okay it's it can get complicated and feel like a really big endeavor Mm -hmm. which uh, is why there are so many people involved, Definitely. right? Not okay. only the, the the real estate agents, but, you know, you've got the lender, you've got the bank, the appraiser, the inspector, the contractors. Title and escrow too. Title and escrow mm -hmm. outside of the buyer and the seller. So it's, you know, it can build up, can mm -hmm. be complicated, but I just wanted to break it to four milestones. Yeah, definitely. Basically. And hopefully this conversation, it, it, this process may seem a little intimidating yeah but i think through this conversation we can make it actually not as intimidating as it seems like the process will actually be a lot easier and more feasible more digestible you know in a sense yeah yeah totally okay so what are your milestone milestones that you got actually yeah so number one milestone number one is identifying your criteria what what kind of house do you want and identifying your budget now when you say like criteria are you are you talking about like lifestyle your like convenience of like yeah or in a sense where you're at in life in terms of if you're starting a family or if you're looking to you know get into your first home type of deal right yeah definitely and so it's yeah what kind of home do i want to live in and also thinking about well what kind of home can i afford right mm -hmm. am i buying like my dream home or am i buying my first home mm -hmm tip your first home is not your forever home a lot of people actually use their first home to gain equity and right. and get into their next home statistically i don't know if you knew this but homeowners they actually stay in the house for seven to eight years their first home typically yeah i've seen that from yeah. the, the nar the national association of realtors okay nice nice yeah so i don't think it, i understand like your first home is a huge decision and a huge milestone for you. Right. Just know that it's not going to be for the rest of your life, though, because it's, it, 
on average, it's seven to eight years. Seven to eight. Yeah. And who knows? Like you're going for something better at the end of, at, end of that you know, process or journey or whatever home that you end up buying. And if it is your forever home, great. That is your forever home. You love your home. What's there's no you can't argue with that, you know? Totally. And yeah, I know you can look at the mortgage loan, like the most traditional term is 30 years. So you're like, man, I'm buying this house for, you know, I'm gonna have it for 30 years. But oh, yeah. But no, you know, people, you know, sell and move. And it's really just the difference between do you want to rent and buy? And one thing that I want to mention that you said, like building equity. So basically, you know, when you're paying your mortgage, like part of that is going to be paying down equity in the home. And then the second part is going to be the cost of the mortgage, basically the cost of the financing. Yeah. So whereas, you know, when you're paying rent, basically, you know, the landlord or the company that owns the house, like if you live in an apartment complex, they're probably paying a mortgage too. So, but they're using your money. Yeah. The biggest factor to buying yeah. a home or, or the benefits of buying yeah. a home versus renting is you can rent, but you wouldn't be getting any equity, essentially. I think as we move forward with 2023 and as time goes on, the prices of homes are just always going to appreciate because that's just how homes work. Homes will always appreciate. It depends on which areas appreciate faster. But right. And we saw it like go crazy, like and with the stock market, too, in the past few years where like home prices go up 10 percent in one year. Yeah. I mean, that's unsustainable. Yeah. And um, even if it goes yeah. down, it climbs up even higher. Yeah. In the long term, yeah. it goes up, you know, home prices go up like two to four percent. Yeah. And part of that has to do with land. Mm -hmm. Like there's, you know, not a limitless supply of land. Like there's always building and there's more people, yeah. but also just the cost of materials to build houses yeah. is going up with inflation. Yeah. And so, so really the point that I'm trying to make here yeah. is renting. You're not buying, you're not putting that towards your own equity. Yeah. In a sense, home, a home is an asset that you build over time. And every time you rent or put money in, in that monthly rent, that's money that you're not putting in your monthly mortgage towards, you know, that will benefit you towards in the end. I think I think a good, good way to look at it is you should be like, a home is an investment. It's an asset and an investment. And that that investment should get you to your next investment, which is your next home. And, yeah. and that, that second investment should go to your third investment, which it would be your third home per se, you know? Totally. I think that's the best way to to kind of look at home buying in general. Right. Um, I, I think like people like us, or, you know, if you're, if you're younger, this is especially true mm -hmm. because investments, you know, stable, sturdy investments are really long-term. So, you know, building with the investment mindset as well is, you know, not just a home, but an investment, something that'll not only hold value, but, you know, bring up value a little bit mm -hmm. for you. In Definitely. The um, also, so milestone one was yeah. defining a criteria. Criteria. And finding out your buying power as a buyer. Totally. Essentially. And I think that's a great segue to the second milestone, right? Which is uh, finding out your buying power, or I guess... It would be uh, yeah. yeah, getting pre-approved. Yeah, getting pre-approved. Yeah. Two is actually 
reaching out first, you know, finding a, a real estate agent, a, a, a buyer's agent, real estate agent that'll help you interpret that what mm -hmm. you want and someone that'll actually know know the ins and outs of the neighborhood. I, I, I just said Duval, but say if you said, oh, I don't want to live, you know, close to Seattle. I want to live a little farther mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, I would know you would know that like Duval is a good option, especially if you want maybe a new build home. Mm -hmm. So kind of interpreting that and then more discovering actually what you can afford with with a lender. So whether you find that lender through the real estate agent or on your own through mm -hmm. looking someone that's actually like looking at your tax returns and basically yeah. like you know actually pre-approving you yeah so i think one thing that we should all note here is a lot of real estate agents they have a lot of lenders like they were were almost kind of required to build a team essentially which is right. like I, I believe it was like for us it was like three lenders and maybe like two other title and escrow companies or something like that. Okay, I know yeah, what you're saying now. Yeah, so <clears throat> defining, getting a, a, a budget. Totally. So mm, I, I believe there's, so when it comes to defining a budget, there's pre-approval and then pre-qualification. Pre right. You wanna tell us the difference between the two? Yeah, so this is a good question all the time, I think, because yeah, they sound very similar. But one, the one is kind of rated by a bank and a lender that's actually looked through your finances. And the other is just something that I can get online. Mm -hmm. Like if I go to, you know. Which one's the one that you get online? I don't know, like rocketmortgage.com. Like I can, yeah. or just one of those sites. Or like, the emails from your bank saying, hey, you're approved for a loan. Yeah, or like Credit Karma, like will like, you know, like send me an email that's like you could afford like an eight hundred and that is home. that is a prequal. That's a prequal, uh -huh. or that the email stuff I don't even think is a prequal. But basically, it's just where you go online, a prequalification. You go online, they you know they have like enter in your income. You enter your income in, you enter maybe like one or two other things, and they say okay with what you've told us, you could afford this amount. Yeah, and so that's, that's and they give you a little like printout. But it's unverified, yeah. so that's the main thing. Prequalification is is kind of unverified information. Okay, so it Whereas, seems like a preapproval is a more solid idea of what your buying power is. Right. Yeah. Preapproval is like you actually sat down with a lender, or in this day and age, I know lenders that are like doing stuff on Zoom, basically. Um, mm. But you've yeah, you've connected with the lender, and they've actually like you know looked at your job like they've looked at your tax returns like they look at your your bank account, your income just your debt to income ratio and, and things like that no definitely yeah. and uh, and even further there are some lenders that like offer what they call a, a fully underwritten pre-approval mm. where they're basically even verifying more information and getting you ready so that when you're you know when you put an offer on a house it's like guaranteed, basically. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, yeah. It, it's it like so it bulletproofs your yeah. It bulletproofs your... it. It makes it faster too, mm -hmm. where you're not spending like a month less likely for your with a lender less likely for your offer to fall through. Like, totally. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I think one other thing about pre-approvals and pre-qualifications is I've had a lot of people come up to me and they say like, "Oh, I just went to my bank and I got a pre-approval or." Something like that, right? Yeah. And I think going to a bank is is great. That's a great start. But 
I think you are also very like limiting yourself as a buyer if you go just to a bank. Why is that? Like for instance, like I I was just speaking to my loan officer the other day, and he was telling me that he works with 187 different lenders. Like、really? that's in in a sense like they work with 187 different mortgage companies where and. Between all these mortgage companies, there are different policies. There, there's different, I guess, tolerances or not. I don't want to say tolerances. Different,、um, like yeah, what's the word we're thinking of? I mean, I guess, I guess flexibility right, when it comes、right. to the amount that you are gonna get for your loan. Yeah, some are more flexible, some are more strict. But I would rather have that option there and have my loan officer kind of work their magic and right. And like, get me the best loan possible. That's the other thing. I feel like a lot of people think that loan officers are just, you know, maybe like just trying to get a quick, quick buck, you know, and、yeah. like、get throw them whatever loan. Right, right. But I don't think they would be doing their job well if that was if that's what they've been doing this whole time. They obviously so, have. If you're like long lasting, if yeah, you're like making a career of it. Yeah, real estate、right. agents have these these rules and laws about.、Mm-hmm. Treating our clients at a fair and professional level, and I'm pretty sure lo- loan officers have that as well. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, meaning、well. fair and professional, meaning like finding the best service. Because obviously, as loan officers, you know they want to keep on continuing their business, yeah, word of mouth referrals, whatever this and that, right? Yeah, and the only way to do that is to actually give good service and get the loans that you know that really do benefit them. So right, I, and that's the so the loan officer. It, their title is a mortgage broker, whereas a mortgage banker is someone that works for a bank and is has that one pipeline. Yeah, but a broker can broker it off to different to different. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to like. I don't want to badmouth the mortgage bankers or yeah, anything in that, any way. What, what, like that's not my yeah, aim. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying you have a lot more options and to be more flexible. Right to get what you want. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you're right. I yeah, there's there's good, you know, and bad to both. Like, yeah, I think I feel like with if you were to work with a mortgage banker, like this is the loan you're gonna get, and that's what you stick with, right? right. Whereas a lender or loan officer, let's say you you as a buyer are having a tough time getting approved for a loan、yeah. from like different lenders, but they have 187 different lenders that they can work with. You know,、right. now like. Like maybe this other lender will approve you, or、Different. this other lender will give you even more. You know. So what we're talking about? Let's talk about a few different like types of loans. Basically, I mean, I might be watching this and thinking,、yeah. well, what are the different loans? Like, it's not just like one loan, or you know, different programs. So yeah, I mean, I guess this is kind of since this is a beginner's guide for no, totally, yeah, for buying a home. There, I would assume that. There's a lot of first-time home buyers out there, right? And I think talking about the loans would be pretty good. Actually, quick, quick note. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't know this until the other day when I was talking to my loan officer. I I talked to my loan officer a lot, actually. <laughs> you are a first-time home buyer if you have not bought a home within three years. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, if and you also need to not currently have a home, right? So if you like. Is that is that is that? I think、also? so. I think if you like sell your house and you don't have your house for long, for three years, 
Oh, okay. I thought it was like you buy a home and then three years three pass years by that, and then you're <laughs> another like person. Like, the yeah, reason yeah. why I say like that, that in a very yeah. like astonishing tone, I guess, yeah. is because I think there are a lot of benefits to being a first-time home buyer and it makes buying a home a lot less intimidating. Totally. Yeah. Although like if you have bought a home previously, you do have a great track record of, you know, paying on your loan and right. things like that. So that's, yeah. But like, let's say there are people out there who don't have a good track record. You know, three years pass by, they don't have a home, and you know they are considered a new first time, first -time home buyer. Yeah, first time home buyer. And so, what that does with the loans? Now, I'm not a lender or anything, so I can't really speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we are. Yeah, we're yeah. not lenders. Um, Real estate agents, both of us. But mm -hmm. yeah, this so, is. I, I guess we're kind of just speaking. But we're pretty based knowledgeable on, yeah. on different. You know, kind of thinking of okay. First-time home buyer FHA loans, for yeah. instance, are like really good, three and a half percent down. Yeah, that's, that's another like, thing. Like a lot of people think, oh man, I need to save so, so much, much money. money, like twenty percent, thirty percent, twenty-five percent, this and that. And, yeah, and for a five hundred thousand dollar home, that's that, only seventeen, eighteen thousand for three and a half percent down compared to like a hundred thousand dollar down payment. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the FHA loan requires you to put down 3%. Sometimes, I actually learned this the other day, there is a USDA loan uh -huh. for 0%. Yeah, those are the USDA loans. Yeah, I didn't know that. And they're... I thought that was only the VA loans that was allowed to do that. So they're, it's US Department of Agriculture. Mm -hmm. And those are loans, so the FHA loan is Federal Housing Administration, mm -hmm. and the USDA, you know, US Department of Agriculture, those are both guaranteed and like backed by those government institutions basically yeah, uh -huh. so that's why they're like you have you, you get a better deal basically yeah and so i was my loan officer to to told me about that and yeah. there is this map that shows you that's applicable for all usda loans yeah unfortunately where we live we're not it's not applicable for us it's more for like i believe on the map it showed like like Everett, Seattle, like everything from Everett, Seattle, like Renton, Tacoma, Federal Way, you know. Is like too it, yeah, population it, dense. Because yeah. Because they're for like rural or yeah. suburban. Mm -hmm. Now, land. there is a, a neighboring city that I do know of, Enumclaw. Enumclaw yeah. is actually, you can get a 0% down USDA loan. Yeah. And, and it's not that far away either. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think it's as far away. Like you don't have to go to like you that's know, a that's, center of washington yeah. basically that's like, like a 20 minute drive from auburn honestly. right right and for those of you guys not listening if you guys don't know washington state area auburn is kind of like a suburb yeah, yeah. A suburb of like seattle. small quiet town. south of yeah, seattle south of seattle yeah maybe like 30 40 minutes away i, I would say mm -hmm. maybe yeah around around 30 minutes if you drive fast. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> For mm. sure. Okay. So different kind of loans, right? Yeah. Okay. I, we kind of went over, yeah, we went over FHA, US. And I mean, one thing I want to point out that, you know, actually talking about, like, have you seen the big short? Have you seen the big short, you know, with like uh, Michael Burry and. I actually haven't. You haven't seen the big short? No, I haven't. <laughs> you oh, haven't man. seen the big short? Oh, with it, with the uh, Christian Bale. Yeah, I I think I've seen like clips of it, but I've never seen the whole movie. I did need to take a look oh at that God. because it it looks it's good. 
Well, yeah, and Steve Carell too. That's it's great. And oh, Margot yeah. Robbie. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. There, and, there's there's wait, Ryan. Anyway, they're they're like a like a mortgage company, right? Yeah. So Michael Burry is a is a like investor in real life, mm-hmm. and he basically like predicted the 2008 housing crash by um, mm-hmm. s- seeing that like all these like loans were actually you know not as good as they were written down on paper to be. All that to say that, you know, all loans, basically, a bank has two options with a mortgage loan, actually. So they can either have their own, you know, they can either hold the loan on the books, like say they give you a mortgage and, okay, Sam owes me 800,000 for this this mortgage. So they could either hold that debt or they could just sell your mortgage to the secondary market, the stock market. Basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's why a lot of loans have this like list of things that that need to like be, like the amount down that you need, or like you know the if you need to have mortgage insurance, like they kind of demand that because you're selling it to the secondary market. Mm, okay, and it's this like bigger process, but that's essentially why like guidelines exist basically mm-hmm. and to protect like protect so that they can sell it to the secondary market yeah, yeah. definitely okay gotcha. so that's i think that's a little bit why yeah that's more that's that concept is more for i guess like loan officers i i don't see how a home buyer would no i know yeah. <laughs> I, they would be very intimidated if they, like, like what but like yeah, i mean yeah. that's not really don't you guys don't have to worry about it because, yeah i'm sorry i'm yeah. not I, yeah. yeah yeah i think that could definitely intimidate someone with that kind of knowledge but mm-hmm. just know that like yeah, you know. I get too advanced there for you for the, <laughs> about the just a tiny bit, <laughs> just a tiny bit. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, so we Milestone. were all in Robin Hood uh-huh. last year. Oh yeah, you know, definitely. We we're all there. Comment yeah. below. Comment down below if you were on Robin Hood trading. <laughs> okay, so okay. milestone number two was getting pre-approved for a mortgage, not pre-qual, pre-approved. pre-approved. Not pre-qual. You're on Robin Hood, weren't you? I actually wasn't. You weren't no. All right, I'll yeah. get off. I'm not really a, a like a trader or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, but I I have thought about getting into it. But we're getting off topic. Okay, here. yeah. Sure. Okay, we'll, so, we'll yeah. yeah. So number milestone number two okay. was getting pre-approved, not pre-qual, pre-approved, pre-approved. Nice. Okay, so on number three. Okay, so milestone number three is actually starting to search for your home, mm-hmm. and. So this is, you've gotten the pre-approval, you know what you want, you know what kind of house you want, you know everything, you're working with a real estate agent who's helping you find stuff, you're searching for the home. So you're looking, you know, on the, what we have called the multiple listing service. Mm -hmm. That's actually where all homes are listed for sale. Like when I put a home up for sale, I'm putting it on the MLS. Okay. So just to recap here. Yeah. Milestone number one was defining a criteria. Defining criteria, yes. Uh, defining your budget mm-hmm. and finding an agent. So yeah, that, uh, essentially, in other words, it's where you're at in life, like what kind of home you're looking for, finding an agent and finding a lender, essentially. Yeah, that's number one. Yeah, that is and milestone, or step one. Step one. And yeah. then step two is... Getting pre-approved. Getting pre-approved. Not pre-qual. Not pre-qual. Pre-approved. Pre-approved. <laughs> yeah. Remember that. <laughs> <Free proof. laughs> All right. And then number three is searching for the home. Mm-hmm. Basically, okay, you know. The most fun part. The most, most fun people. part. Yeah. Looking around, not only looking online, but actually going in and touring houses and seeing, do I actually like this like open floor plan? Dude. Or 
honestly, you know, sometimes even as a younger kid, yeah. like, do I? Yeah. When I was younger, I would love to go to open houses. Oh yeah. Just to you know see it. Like it's just so, I don't know, exciting. <laughs> Did you ever find that exciting? Yeah, as a kid, I never like went to open houses. Okay, but... like when no, I no, say no, kid, but... like I'm I'm talking no, about like right. eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Okay. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When I yeah when I was just starting like, yeah, yeah, or before I like was in real estate. Yeah. No, absolutely. always fun. Yeah. Always good to see. Yeah, I know. It's always fun to like an open house on the weekend too, or like mm-hmm. fun. Like I always love going to like yeah the, the four million dollar house. Like what's going on? Yeah. There, if my know? neighbors have an open house. You bet your ass I'll be there. No, just to see what are they doing now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, because I've never seen the inside of their home. So, like, oh, I always want to see. You want to know. Yeah. But yeah. now that I'm a real estate agent, like, I I have access to, like, certain, like the MLS, and they have pictures there, too. So, yeah. I mean, not that I'm creeping or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then touring, like, you know, you're not just doing open houses, but touring with your agent. So, like, you know. Basically, like the process that I do with my clients is, okay, we, you know, once we have everything defined, um, we're looking online. Like I'm looking online for them, but I mean, they're also free to look online themselves. Okay, yeah. But Actually, what were you gonna say? I have a quick question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you are working with a client, yeah, yeah, you're finding the right home for your client. Essentially, yeah. what are the most common things that your clients come up to you and like, like? I, like I guess, tell you what they're looking for. The most right com- off the bat, three bed, like not not three, but like bedrooms, bathrooms. Yeah, they'll tell me bedroom, bathroom. Okay, location, location. Do I want to be like on a main street or in a smaller feeling like community? Okay, what kind of area? And yeah, just just giving me kind of basics, and I can always be there to say, oh, okay, well. You know, I'm thinking of of this area. Or I'm thinking of you know this community. Mm-hmm. Thinking of what may what may work. But that's generally. I mean, they tell me their criteria. Then I'm, you know, on the back end. I'm like of MLS. I'm looking and I'm sending them property. Hey, you know, I think this was going to be. This might be a good fit. What do you think of the photos here? Mm-hmm. How does it sound? What are okay? And then yeah. and then we'll actually you know. You know, if we really like it, if they really like it, then we'll schedule a tour and we'll go see it. Mm, okay. What are you? What What do you think is things that a buyer should know or look for, essentially, that they don't commonly ask? Should look for. Well, definitely. Uh, other than like the common like bed bathrooms. Oh food. right. Yeah. Location. Yeah. I think one tip is just see the house in all time t- times of day, basically. Or like to really know the community, like go there and go there not only in the daytime, but also in the nighttime. Like mm-hmm. even if it's not like a, a sketchy neighborhood, but n- like kind of get to know the community, drive around, like, you know, know what's going on there. Like maybe, you know, I was like going to coffee shops and asking like, what do you think of living here in Fremont? Mm-hmm. You know, how how's everything going over here? What's, mm-hmm. what's up? Mm-hmm. As a homeowner, I think that's really like useful too. And even my clients too, like if we go to lunch together, they'll always, like I commonly see them I just see, on I their see. own, ask people like, hey, what do you think of living, you know, up here in the island? Like, yeah. how's it going up here? Yeah. For me personally, I think it's more so like every home's going to appreciate no matter what. You know, actually, 
I, I took a look at the MLS, the InfoSparks. InfoSparks is like this data tool that we use and it puts it into infographics essentially. Yeah. And I looked at one of my realtor friends showed me this. It was a, it was a price of the median home prices in Bellevue, Seattle. And I did one in Federway because that's where I live. Right. And you can see it from a like long period of time where it was like, I think today's date all the way to, and I did it back to the 2008 where the market crashed, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> I think around 2008, I think homes in Federal Way were around like 250, 300K, right? Right now it has doubled to that. So it's around six, like the median home prices right. in Federal Way is 600. Bellevue was at 400. And back really? back at back in 08. Yeah. Four. Now medians home prices in Bellevue are one point two. It tripled. It tripled. It tripled. So some areas appreciate faster than yeah. others. And so like when it comes to finding the right property for me personally, right. I wanna put my clients in an, in a property where I know that they'll be in good hands whenever like if they sell later down the road. Right. Essentially like I want them to find a property that will appreciate very well more so than your average property yeah now those are typically a little hard because there are a lot of different factors into that for instance like like federal like the reason why bellevue became so huge mm -hmm. was because it was the hub for all the tech big tech companies so right. a lot of tech people were moving in out of state and they were looking for somewhere that was close to work and bellevue was you know totally why, yeah why not live five minutes away from work? and seattle like seattle got you know yeah too seattle, expensive too so yeah seattle so, got really expensive too so just not as, expensive as no you're right so yeah. i think there's i don't know people like and bellevue's a little like you know smaller and I think a lot of companies, you know, maybe were moving or having offices move out of Seattle into Bellevue too. Yeah. So that was a factor as well. I think this is just like kind of speculation for, yeah. I mean, I live in Federal. I've lived, yeah, yeah. I lived there all my life. And I think, I think Federal Way might be climbing up a little bit as well because we're, we're just implementing the light rail. You're right. Yeah. And the light rail goes from, it's just going to keep on going more down south, I think, over time. But like right now, it's in federal way and it's going to allow you to go all the way to Seattle. It, it is a good indicator, I will say. And, and we like to go on patterns and indications to yeah. determine like, you know, what might happen to the market later. You're finding you're trying to see, OK, there's probably there's bound to be like more economy coming here in the future yeah. if there's a light rail mm -hmm. nearby. Yeah, and so yeah, that's my biggest thing is finding an, a, a property that that will appreciate and that will serve the clients like a lot better later. Totally. You want and things like that would be like finding a good neighborhood, finding a neighborhood that may be redeveloped over time more and more or re refurbished, rehabbed mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. Because when you find a home and other homes are being like built up more better, that raises the home prices in that specific neighborhood. Essentially, do do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, another part for another part for finding the right home, I do want to ask is what are the benefits of using an agent rather than just going on Zillow or like, or Redfin per se? Or I know Redfin actually has agents now. Yeah. So I mm -hmm. guess Redfin wouldn't really be 
part of that. But I, I kind of wanted to ask you, like, what are the benefits of using an agent rather than finding it yourself? Other than just looking at properties, I mean, Zillow and Redfin and all those sites, they have basically all they have all the properties that are listed on the market. They just take in that all the data that's on the MLS and feed it to those sites. So you're seeing everything that's on the market, basically. Noting, I think having an agent helping you too is fine. You know, an agent is going to know a little bit more about like zoning or a little bit about, mm. okay, is this mm -hmm. property going to qualify for USDA, for instance, mm -hmm. because it's location-based. Oh, okay. So just like... having that, you know, if, if a client says, Bruce, I'm looking for a USDA property that I can, that I can buy right now, three bed, two bath. But I also want to be able to maybe in, you know, two years move out of this house and then keep it as a rental. So mm -hmm. can you find me something that's going to also have a good rental value? Gotcha. So oh, I'm okay. also doing that analysis yeah. for my clients yeah. on, okay, does the property like actually work? Like, and I'm actually doing the research for them yeah. to see like, okay, is it a good, is there a good like, like rental, rental, yeah, and rental flow, rental, cap. particularly with investments too. Yeah. I like, I like being really hands on and like doing that research yeah. for them. And, and there saying, are a lot of investors out there these days. Yeah, all definitely. Right. <laughs> and even if you're not, as I said, like if you're if you're buying the home, wouldn't you want maybe the opportunity to at least know that okay, this could be a good rental property if I ever decide that I that I you know, want to move somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So they just keep the property. So essentially just a more curated search. More curated. Yeah. yeah. And more, I guess, technical in a sense. Yeah. You actually don't like legal, like it's not a law. Like you don't need to have an agent. You don't need to. You don't yeah. need to, but it's like, there's, there's like a, some, like a ton of contracts and it's just, it's such a process Yeah, that you're, you know, if you're not using an agent, you're just so unprotected. If it was, yeah. And if it risk. was like a hot market where houses are just right gone like that, right? Right. Why not just, you know, if you saw a house that day and you're like, oh my God, I need to put an offer today. No, I know. Otherwise definitely. I'm going to lose it. Call up your agent right now. I mean, yeah. You, yeah. Rather like, than you like, oh own... man, I got to look for an agent, you know, something no, like that. No, totally. Yeah. yeah. You don't like represent yourself in, in court basically. I yeah. Mean, we're not like full-fledged lawyers, but knowing like all the legal and the contracts and definitely, at least for me, that's, I mean, what about for you? Oh yeah, definitely. You don't want to accidentally break the law in any, any way, shape or form, obviously. Yeah. So having, having an agent would definitely benefit you in that way. In that way as um, well. Yeah. It's just, I, it's more convenient unless if you're willing to do the search yourself, like then yeah, go for it. But why not get a second pair of eyes or a second mind to, you know, different perspective yeah. in, you know, your home buying process. Is it, And they're only, as agents, they are thinking in your best interest as well. It's right. not like they're trying to put you in a home like just because, you know. No, I mean, when I sign, you know, that like agreement with my buyer and they're, it's called fiduciary representative. <laughs> yeah. And that means, you know, your interests above my own. Yeah. So, you know, contractually I'm obligated mm -hmm. to perform that service to the best of my abilities. Mm -hmm. Nice. And then I think the offer part, having a agent where they put in the offer can yeah. lead us to our step number four, which is make an offer. Make an offer. Mm -hmm. Make an offer and close in your home. It's all in one last step. Okay. So number four. Do you want to tell the viewers what are the steps for making an offer? 
So well, it's pretty easy, but like, yeah, pretty simple. You go into a house that you really like and you say, hey, I really want to make an offer on this property. And so you have some things to figure out here. You have some terms to figure out. Okay, what price are you going to offer? What, when do you want to close? When's the closing date going to be? How much earnest money are you going to put up? Mm -hmm. Do you want to have a home inspection? Are you using lending? Is your financing in place? All of those terms are in the contract. Mm -hmm. And essentially, you know, throughout this whole process, we've been building up. We've mm -hmm. been basically deciding a, a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's always advised to get a home inspection on the property. And maybe you want to like, I mean, there are a lot of specialized cases. We could talk hours, yeah, but definitely. in the most simple terms, I like this house. I want to put an offer on it. What's it listed at? Okay, let's do some research. And is this a fair price? Is there any competition on the home? And that'll dictate a little bit about what kind of terms that we put into the offer. But essentially, the most basic is what price am I offering? When's my close date? Yeah. This Those is things. particularly one of my favorite steps yeah. as well, uh, yeah. only because I get to negotiate. And I think negotiations is a very exhilarating feeling for me. Uh -huh. <laughs> just imagine just like they have a listing price, right? But you don't offer it, you go something with lower. And the fact that you just shot your shot and got it, one of the best feelings, unmatched. You cannot replicate that feeling in any right. way, shape, or form. <laughs> right. It's one of the, like, and I think <clears throat> I, me as a person, I think I, I, I like to be a little creative in my mm -hmm. own ways. And what what other better way to be creative than, you know, using financing or no, I'm sorry, contingencies, strategies to putting an offer on your home. Right. So for those of you that are, you know, first time home buyers, you, you'll probably hear the word contingencies. Yeah. What is a contingency? So the, I guess they're more like prerequisites of what need to happen before you close on that home. Yeah. So on a home, when you put in an offer, essentially a contingency is like, there's, there's different kinds of contingencies. There's financing contingencies, inspection and contingencies there's feasibility contingency okay. if you're like buying a piece of land that mm -hmm. you want to build on so the financing contingency is you can put in an offer on your on the home right now even though that you're fine like let's say you're not fully pre-approved for your loan essentially right right now you're you're hoping that you're going to get pre-approved for your loan but that takes some time and time kind of kills your offer like a seller wants to see an offer like right away, obviously to to know or engage right. how serious and you, you are. And you want to lock that up too, so yeah, that exactly, so that other people don't take put it. offers on it. Totally, yeah, exactly. So the financing contingency states pretty much that like I'm going to put an offer on, on this home for this amount of money with like this kind of down payment, this kind of earnest earnest money deposit, only if I get approved for my loan. Yeah, or yeah, only if like yeah, if financing fails. Yeah, so as if, in, it, if you if you're not approved for your loan, then you are secured as the buyer, and you get to keep all your earnest money that you would typically have lost if you didn't sign or go with a financing financing contingency. Right. So it's yeah. like your way at you're like contingent. It's almost your, like an your exit way, strategy in a way. Yeah, it's an exit. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, I was trying to find the words. I can say mm -hmm. it better than that exit strategy i mean obviously like when it comes to home you want to the home that you put an offer on you want to be you want to you want to feel certain that like you're going to be yeah. able to purchase that house yeah when the market was super hot 
There was no such thing as financing contingencies, no such thing as inspection contingencies. It does. Yeah, and the, inspe- yeah. the inspection contingencies say you have the home inspection, they found like a huge crack in the foundation. Yeah. That's detrimental. Yeah, yeah. You say, well, yeah, like, I, I don't actually want to buy this house anymore. Yeah, like so an inspection the, so contingency. You can walk away from that, basically, yeah, under that uh-huh. contingency. You can still put an offer on it, but right. that inspection contingency kind of holds you back from closing on that deal until everything is inspected in the home. Right. That way you can like find the latent defects, which is like hidden defects, mm-hmm. like things that you wouldn't be able to, uh, you as a home buyer would not be able to see. Like an actual inspector actually comes by, takes a look at the home, sees if it's good. And what if you find something that, you know, that is detrimental to, you know, the safety of the home? Yeah. Like if you didn't sign that inspection contingency, you would have been locked in with that offer or if you got out, you would have lost your earnest money. So having that inspection contingency is pretty crucial. It's crazy to think that during the hot market, that was being waived. Yeah, in, in 2021, yeah, cra- yeah, wild, because you're like up again. I don't care if this house falls on me, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> I mean, there was a house in Bellevue that when there was a, a news story, I think on like Seattle Times, mm-hmm. it, w- it went a, a million dollars over list price. Yeah. So that was the term. But then no, but yeah, then you're thinking. About that. But then I'm thinking like, okay, I can't win on price. I heard about that story. Actually. You heard about that? Yeah, this I, I, like Crazy. someone told me. I, I forgot who it was, but this lady really was very particular on a on a certain neighborhood in, yeah. in Bellevue, and she, she was sure. just getting beat out from sure. every offers like from the other homes that were being listed in, in that neighborhood, I guess. Yeah, and she really wanted to secure that home. And so this was during the hot market where everyone was listing 150, 200,000 over. She just dropped a, a, a big bomb and was like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna bid a million over so no one beats me. She got the home, but wow, at what cost? <laughs> at what cost? Yeah, so, so when you're not, uh, what I was saying was, so if you're like not certain that you could win on price, then in what was happening in last year, mm-hmm. then I've got to do something on my terms. So I'm going to say, you know what? No inspection contingency. I don't even care. I don't want to inspect the house. Mm-hmm. Even if I, and people were doing like, yeah, I'll still inspect it, but I won't back out. Like, you know, yeah, or financing contingency or just like, even if my financing fails, mm-hmm. I'm still buying the house. There, There is definitely a strategy when it comes to putting an offer on the home. Yeah. It really, like the strategy really can determine or kind of portray how serious you are of a buyer to the seller. And it can really shift the perspective of which way or which person the seller wants to sell to. Yeah. So although they don't like see you in person or like, I I think that contact is illegal or something like that. Like, you don't, buyers aren't allowed to directly contact the seller. Yeah. Well, I've actually learned this, you know, I learned this a few years ago that I mean, they're not like buyers and sellers aren't legally bound or contractually bound by anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are. We have agents. They have. We have these rules and regulations on how we must act and how we must negotiate it to be ethical. Mm-hmm. And and those are rules that we have to follow. But buyers and sellers aren't aren't you know aren't aren't tied down. So they could basically do it. You know. They can, like, there's no contact, like, limit or anything like that. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just saying that there's, we like to have that healthy, you know, wall up between, you know, there's the 
the seller, seller's agent, buyer's agent, and buyer. Mm -hmm. So the agents are communicating and negotiating on behalf of their client. Yeah. The buyer and the seller, they, I, to my knowledge, I think they, you know, it's free reign. You can do whatever you want. Oh, okay. Because you're, okay. Because you're not like a professional that's, mm -hmm. you, you know, you're not like an agent that's yeah, bound yeah, by yeah. ethics. Okay, gotcha. But I think for, yeah, I definitely advise that like, you have something to say? You, actually, go ahead. Finish. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, oh, yeah, I, def, I definitely advise, like having that wall up, it makes it a lot smoother. Yeah. Having, you know, negotiating makes it a lot smoother. There was a topic that, that, that we talked about, which was yeah. overbidding. Right. Um, and I, I remember that we were talking about the escalation clause. That is a very, I think a pretty fun, uh, very interesting um, strategy, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and I would only use that only during like a, a heavy market. heavy competition. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's not really fun per se, but it is more competitive. I think if, yeah, if you're like going into bidding on a home and you know that there are like, there's another buyer or there are a few other buyers that are also going to be putting in offers. Yeah. Um, yeah, that escalation clause will is, come in really handy. Well, you and tell you, can, you tell me what it what it is. Yeah, what, so the escalation clause isn't a con contingency like we mentioned. So you can still have your contingencies not waived and still have those in place. Right. But you can have your escalation clause, I believe. Yeah, it's an additional right. portion yeah. uh, thing to the contract that you can add. So let's say let's say there's a five hundred thousand dollar home, right? Mm -hmm. Homes are getting overbid. By like 100 over, 150 over, 200 over, right? That's a lot over, 20% over? Let's just say it's a <laughs> okay, hot, let's, just, let's say. just say a very hard market. <laughs> let's you know? just say 20% over. 20% over, All right, right? sure. So <laughs> essentially what the escalation clause allows you to do yeah. is it allows you to beat all the incoming offers, right? Now you can set that limit. Let's say like, hey, I want to, I, I, I'm going to offer 500,000, but I'm going to put, place a escalation clause on my offer. And I'm gonna go uh, 5,000 over the highest bid. Right. Essentially. So rather, and and I want it to be capped at 200,000 over the Yeah, you cap price. it so yeah. it's not like unlimited. Yeah, essentially. Totally. Now, let's say, like, let's say you place that in and then you have your offer in and other people are coming they want to see this home they want to put offers on it yeah so you originally went in at five hundred thousand, mm -hmm. and then other people start bidding five five uh five ten five twenty five twenty five five forty six hundred right your your offer is still beating them by that five thousand dollar margin right because that's going... what you stated in the escalation clause essentially yeah you're not going back and forth yeah like, okay, well, I guess I'll move my offer. It's just automatically. Yeah. You're automatically your offer. Mm -hmm. And if, if the seller signs that, mm -hmm. automatically your offer is going to be whatever the other thing was plus 5,000. Yeah. Now, when it comes to like, uh, like, you, we stated that there was a $200,000 cap on that, right? Yeah. So let's say, let's say, it doesn't even get to anywhere close to that $200,000 gap or yeah. that cap. Let's say someone offered just 550 over, right? And now you're still beating them by 555, right? And that means you set a cap. It doesn't mean that your cap is going to beat theirs. It doesn't, mm -hmm. it's not going to the full length of that cap. It's just going five over. The only time it doesn't apply is 
if they offered seven hundred thousand, which was two hundred thousand over the listing price, and yeah. and which is your cap, because like at that point you're like, oh no, I don't, I don't want to pay more for that house. Totally. You know? And so it's just the escalation clause is a way to keep your offer in the in the competitive loop, and when I guess in a way uh, secure that offer or that deal. Totally. Essentially. And uh, yeah, I I I, I want to mention. I should mention that mm-hmm. I don't see escalation clauses uh they kind of fell off the face of the earth i feel yeah, like because i mean with today's market with for t- sure and it's it's definitely still home specific mm-hmm. i feel like if you know but it would have worked so well for that lady that bid a million over i, I don't maybe she did i know it. i know why she you know that's a good thought i'm curious yeah maybe she did use it i don't know maybe someone did offer like you know 900 uh, a thousand over the list. No, you price. are right because it'll kind of like protect you where you're just like going a little bit of a, you know, you're yeah. not just like. That way you're not spending, wasting like, what if what if the yeah. second best offer was like, like 1.3 and she just beat them by like <laughs> 700 grand. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious there. Yeah, she um, could have put in an offer for 1.4 or 1.5. So kind of the second part of step five mm-hmm. is close. Yeah. So Sam, uh, tell me a little bit about that process. What is close? What is, there's this period of time before, like from when you make the offer to when you close and own the home. What, yes. what is that? So close, uh, let's start with the closing date. Yeah. So the closing date is determined on the purchase and sale agreement. So that's the day when, uh, when that home is completely taken off the market. Uh, they are getting ready, financing and title and escrow is all getting prepared to transfer all the the ownership from one owner to the other. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people think closing date is the day that they move in. Uh, that's They're actually very different dates. Uh, closing date is actually... The, the move-in date can be scheduled, you know. Can on, be the same. Yeah, can be the same. But yeah. that's something that you have to agree on with the sellers and things like that. Totally. If you're, like, if you're, again, using financing, um, if you have a loan, I think there's a six-month, um, it could be, or it, I think it's three months. It's either three to six months up to the discretion of the lender mm-hmm. um, that you can't. You know, you yeah. have to move in at that point. But. Another thing about the closing date is also um, like no one can back out, essentially, right? Of what? Of of like no one can back out of the purchase. Like the seller can say, "Oh, I I, I don't want to sell anymore. It's already closed." Oh yeah, if you're yeah. like if you're like three days from close or something like that. Yeah. If you're early on and you're still in that home inspection contingency or financing contingency. Uh, then yeah, yeah. But if they you're past all that, yeah, if you're past can. all that, and you're like two days from close, you know, you can't just like back out then. Yeah, basically. or even on closing date, they're not allowed to take any offers, yeah. any other offers or anything like that. Like, what if someone like came in with a huge, a lot more bigger offer? Yeah, you're already like that? through that process. Yes, you've already closed. You can't. It's already off the market. Totally. It's, already, it's been mutually accepted. So yeah, that's essentially what the closing date is, and that yeah, I think closing takes around like around a month after you put in your offer or after your like the whole process of like closing tile and escrow uh and everything that takes around like a month i like let's say everything were to go smoothly after you, yeah. you get your offer you put in your offer and it gets accepted 
expect around like a month to for it to be like closed. Around a month, yeah. definitely. Because title and escrow need time to like get all the paperwork transferred over, mm-hmm. find it, like verify the finances of the buyer and things like that. Totally. And they like to give themselves a little bit more room just in case if, you know, things things uh, get backed up or something like unpredictable happens where, oh, we have a problem with this financing or or this loan or or the title to the the uh, property is, you know, something's wrong with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. It gives them time to fix it and then, right. and so that's why it, it takes around like a month or so. Is there anything else um, that you think is important that we should mention pertaining to making an offer or that final step? No, I think, I mean, I think we covered them. I mean, those are basic, the the real basics, the four steps. And mm-hmm. I know we got off on a little tangents. Those were fun. Okay, so you want to list the four steps together? So four steps, f- figuring out what kind of home you want and figuring out roughly what you think that you want to pay for your home. Yeah, your lifestyle and then yeah, like and defining then a criteria. Defining your, your criteria, find, linking up with a real estate agent that's going to help you with that. Uh-huh. And then... And then um, and then just, finding a lender as well. Yeah, finding a lender. Uh-huh. So then number two is going to be that pre-approval step. Not pre-qual. Pre-approval. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> when you get the pre-approval, um, that's step two. Yeah, okay. And then step three. I actually want to yeah. mention something on that. Yeah, yeah. I know we're kind of going back and forth here, but... Um, no worries. The most important thing about getting a pre-approval or pre-qualification, mm-hmm. or, I'm sorry, pre-approval. <laughs> yeah. Not pre-qual, dude. No, not a pre- about yeah. this. <laughs> sorry. Uh, about the this most already. important thing yeah. about getting a pre-qualification is like it gives you a really good idea of what kind of home, like of what like your buying power is. Yeah. Like you could you could go to all the homes in Washington with a pre-qualification and then let's say you found a home and you're like, oh my God, Bruce, I love this house. Let's put an offer in today, right? Yeah. And then we only have a prequel. I only have a prequel, right? And then uh, we put in an offer and I can't get approved for the loan. Like I spent so much uh, emotional like effort to find this home just to be a crush yeah and i can't get the home i'm emotionally damaged at that point <laughs> destroyed can't come back yeah, absolutely yeah <laughs> and like i mean not even want to buy a home after that so like in in the, in the long run it saves a lot of time on not just your end but also your agent's end and everyone else's time your the seller's end yeah to be pre-qualified and and yeah no being certain just like not looking above your budget or not looking below your budget too like yeah. if you only think you could you know afford this number but you can actually go up to here um you know that might be something good to know mm-hmm. yeah definitely and another thing is like let's say you're pre pre qualified for like a eight hundred thousand dollar loan but yeah. you you want to buy a five hundred thousand dollar loan okay. that doesn't you you can. For sure, buy that five hundred thousand dollar loan, but you mm-hmm. don't have to use the full amount of eight hundred thousand. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, I it's think like, a lot of people kind of think like, oh, like eight hundred thousand dollar home, or like you kind of. I like, guess in the higher sense, like one point five, one point five million dollar home uh, loan. I'm gonna buy like a one point five. Let's say the home that you really, really liked was a one point two. 
you don't have to go for the one. No, that's just your limit. And yeah. you're really, I mean, you're deciding what you're comfortable with yeah, first. Exactly. And foremost. Yeah. And that's like monthly payment too. Yeah. It's your own tr- yeah. choice there. Yeah. But okay. So step So three. then step three. Step three was searching for your home. Mm-hmm. Finding Actually looking home. out, going to different touring houses. This is really fun, right? Mm-hmm. This is just like, what am I, you know, I could put a couch over there, like just just yeah. kind of visualizing yourself now. You can, your imagination Imagination. Is, yeah, endless. you can, this, the sky is your limit with your imagination when it yeah. comes to that. And it's, it's really fun imagining like, oh man, like I go to these open houses and I'm like, I could live here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I put yeah. a TV right here. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd have a little uh, corner over here where, where I can read or like enjoy the natural light, you know. Totally, like, yeah. totally. I, I, Get some ideas. A little too many times. Not going to lie. But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Step four. Step four is putting in the offer and then closing on your home. So this is really where the action happens, basically. I mean, your real estate agents are basically. I mean, you need a real estate agent at this point. So hopefully, you know, as viewers, you guys have agents when you're putting in an offer. Unless if you're a real estate agent yourself. I think of like a wedding, you know, manager. Like, um you know, mo- or wedding planner. Most people like don't plan, like, you know, you want someone there to like plan and coordinate everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of, I'm kind of like in this, like in the same vein, like coordinating everything, making sure that like title is good, making sure that like the lending office is doing its job yeah. and kind of keeping everything in check. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, scheduling that home inspection, scheduling everything. Mm. So there also is that part, mm. keeping everything in check and managing that. And as the buyer, you know, you're pretty much not doing much there. Yeah, you you're as the buyer, the the experience is that, you know, hey, Bruce, I, I want to put in an offer and then like you take care of everything. But obviously when problems come up, you tell me, but like as as a good agent, you, as yourself, you'd be like, let me take care of it. I just want to be transparent with you. Uh, let you know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, let let me keep me in the loop. But like you're you're in the trenches working and you know yeah getting that offer. Like summarized everything. it summarized it perfectly. Yeah. Awesome. Summarized it perfectly. Awesome, nice for sure. Okay, well, I guess that's uh, that's good for that's us for today. Yeah. If you guys have any questions or comments, you know, feel free to you know yeah put in the the comment box. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And uh, if yeah, comment you know. Comment below. Comment below. Or if you have any other topics that, you know, you'd like to hear us talk about. And, you know, we'd love to take your guys' considerations and see if we can, you know, add it to our podcast. And um, we hope that you guys took uh, maybe uh, one or two things, maybe three Mm -hmm. or four, (laughs) you know, a couple of things from our conversation today. But thanks. Thank you guys for joining in and listening to our conversation. Totally. Sounds good. See you next time for the Modernism Podcast. Bye now.